The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. And thank you for taking your time to join us each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, talking about the sport of kings. Seven weeks till the first Saturday in May, and the roses are starting to take cover. As this Saturday marks the first day of spring. Can you smell the roses? I think we can. What's happening tonight? We're going to recap last week's races. Let you know what's going on. We're going to talk about some big ones because there are some big things going on last week, this past week, and you should know about it. Because if you weren't part of it, we want you to be a part of it. It's never too late. You can always jump in. Trust me, the the train has not left the station yet. We are just getting warmed up. Remember, it's just March creeping to a close, and the best and biggest races are just starting to open up. And it's just not the best and biggest races. It's whatever circuit you like. You need to dial up winning ponies to take a look for yourself. Take a look at the testimonials. Take a look at the predictions. Take a look at the results. I think you're going to be happily surprised. So we're going to talk about the biggest after the recap. This week's special guest, Mr. Marty McGee, Daily Racing Worm columnist, handicapper for my friend, man of racing, a good guy. News from around the world of racing, plenty thereof. And final furlong, handicapping with yours truly. Didn't do too bad last weekend. Had a little cold. Didn't stop me a bit. A little shot of butte and Lasix, just like to give the horses. I'm ready to roll. Speaking about ready to roll, it is time. Yep. It's time we talk about biggins. Let's go to Friday, March 12th, 66 total biggins. Leading the day, Tampa Bay Downs race six, a superfecta, 3,352.60. I like Tampa Bay. they got nice fields. Saturday, March 13th, 84 total biggins. Leading the pack, Golden Gate race five, super high five. I love this wager, 15,794.60. Sunday, March 14th, Los Alamitos pick six. Only $5,146 and 60 cents. Don't forget those six times. March 15th, 41 total. Biggins Fairgrounds race six. Superfecta key, $2,628 and 20 cents. Looking good there, down in the Big Easy. Tuesday, March 16th, 22 total. Biggins Beulah Park race number seven, a Superfecta, $4,872 and 20 cents. Now get a hold of this. Wednesday, March 17th, 79 total biggins. Very nice number. Santa Anita races three through eight. The pick six, 42,475.20. Race eight, the super high five, 12,299.20. That doesn't count the people that had five winners that may have deviated and missed the six. And they took them down with a majority of their top selections. One of them was a seven-to-one shot. Winning Pony's on fire. On fire. Uh, to this date, right now, 1,837,304 exotic predictions been in Fuego. Thursday, March 18, 44 total biggins. Oakland Park race eight, a trifecta key. 1,982.20. Right behind it was Laurel, race a 6-9, a pick four. $1,940.60. So Winning Ponies has been doing their job. And doing their job means we're hoping that you're enjoying your day at the races and we're hoping you're cashing in big. As I said before many other times, 
It's from the novice to the hardcore player, and I think you're going to find something for everyone. Give it a look. Does not hurt. Doesn't cost anything to look. Hey, prove me wrong. Love to have it prove me wrong. But I'll tell you what, it's more fun to be a part of the winning team. Winning Ponies has been on their game. Just dial them up. Take a look, www.winningponies.com. Drop us a testimonial if you've been doing well. Love to hear, love to hear good news. Get yourself a good-looking cap. Maybe a shirt. Who knows what you're going to get? Drop us a testimony and let us know how you're doing. We always love to hear from you because without you, there would be no us. But I'm going to tell you what, we're just getting cranking and the year is getting cranking. So you're going to want to dial us up and take a look. WinningPonies.com. Let's take a look at a recap last weekend. Fairgrounds. March 13th, race 10, the New Orleans ladies. Zardania. David Flores beats Rachel Alexandra by three parts of a length. Rachel, overwhelming favorite, trained by Steve Asmussen, runs a dirty second. Now, here's a little irony for you. Who trains Ardenia? John Sheriffs, the trainer of Zenyatta. Rachel was defeated by Zardenia in the New Orleans Ladies Stakes down at Fairgrounds, race number 10. Gulfstream Park, race number 10 on March 13th. Winners, the 10, you and I forever. Javier Castellano, 5 wide, paying 29.40 for Marty Wolfson. Longtime trainer in the Florida region. Oakland Park, March 13th, race 8. The Honeybee Stakes, grade 3, a mile and 16th on the dirt. Winner is the one, no such word. Terry Thompson, two and a half lengths. Full of run down the lane, $15. Cindy Jones, that sounds familiar. That's her husband, Larry, that retired. Oakland Park, race 10, the Rebel Stakes. Very nice race indeed at Oakland. Grade 2, a mile and the 16th. Oh, my goodness. Winner is the two looking at lucky Garrett Gomez. Wins by a head. Riders, if you ever want to take a look, and when you've actually been put in the box and, and really just thrown out for maybe another day, Watch this race and watch Garrett Gomez. At the half, jumped heels. Actually came out of the saddle almost. He got down and dirty on his belly all the way down the lane and wins by a head for Bob Baffert. Looking at Lucky, he will be there first Saturday in May. Barring anything unforeseen, looking at Lucky, real deal. Gulfstream Park, race number four on the 14th. Winner is the three in the Sunshine State Stakes. Mannington, Elvis Trujillo. Elvis is in the building, winning by head. 580 for Teresa Pompey. On the 14th at Gulfstream, race number 60. Inside information. We love inside information, don't we? Grade two event. Winner is the four, Warbling. Julian Le Peru in the irons by three and three quarter lengths off the rail, widening down the lane. Paying 780 for Eddie Keneally. They team up very well together. Tampa Bay Downs, March 13th, bouncing around here. Like it that way. Race number eight, the Hillsborough Stakes, grade three, mile and eighth on the turf. Winners, the eight, Fola. Ramon Dominguez shipping in, winning by four and a quarter lengths. Blue bass, the leaders, like they're tied to a pole, paying 580 to win for Todd Pletcher and the Todd Squad. We got Tampa Bay, race number nine on the 13th. The Florida Oaks, a grade three, a mile and 16th. Winners of six, Diva Delight. Rosemary Homeister, Lady H, wins by two. Looping and going four wide, paying 560 for David Vivian. Tampa Bay on the 13th, race 10. The Turf Dash, five on the weeds. Winner is the four, sneaking upon you. Hoover Villa Gomez in the irons. Wins by three, $17 to win for Jamie Ness. This guy's got an incredible record. Wow, can Jamie Ness, he can really train them down the lane. Tampa Bay Downs, race 11, Tampa Bay Derby, grade three, one mile in the 16th on the dirt. I believe if you go back, you'll hear me talk about a horse called Odysseus. I said, let's beat the favorite super saver. Odysseus wins by the narrowest of noses with Rajiv Marat aboard, paying $6 for Tom Albatroni. Top of the lane, the announcer said he's going to have to wait for a better day, which means he's actually folding his tent. Digs in, gets dirty with him, goes from outside inside. How he got up, I do not know. I bet him and still don't know how he got up. 
incredible run there. Super saver Ramon Dominguez run a beautiful third. Schoolyard Dreams was second with Jeremy Rose. Gleam of Hope, Willie Martinez, long shot, 42-1, to made a really nice run. But Odysseus stamping his name in for the Derby run. Turfway Park on the 13th of March, race number nine. The Tejano run stakes a mile and eighth on the all-weather. Winner is the four timeless fashion James Lopez in the irons, winning by a half. It was a dawdling pace, 320 to win. Thomas Drury, very fine race indeed there. Going to throw out a couple little things here, a little racing to history. I always like them. we got a couple of minutes here, and I think you're going to like them as well. March 18, 2001, Zippy Chippy beat a standard bread. He was a thoroughbred. Beat a standard bread horse called Patty's Lady at Freehold Raceway. Because the race was an exhibition, Zippy Chippy officially maintained his record of 89 starts without a victory. March 19, 1949, Bill Shoemaker wrote his first career race at Golden Gate Fields. He finished fifth aboard Waxahachie. March 20th, 1932, Far Lap, legendary racehorse of Australia, won his only start in North America, the Agua Caliente, at Agua Caliente Racecourse in Mexico. Lab died one month later, and the cause of his death remains a mystery to this day. Wow. Wins 36 out of 50 starts. March 20, 1969, less than two months after she became the first woman to ride in a pyramidal race in America, Diane Crump rode her first winner at Gulfstream Park. March 24, 1932, Omaha. The only Triple Crown winner to be sired by another Triple Crown winner, Gallon Fox, was foaled at Claiborne Farm in Paris, Kentucky. Well, it's time to head out to our first break, and when we return, we're going to be chatting with our special guest of the week, one, Mr. Marty McGee of the Daily Racing Forum and a good fan of racing. But you're only going to catch it if you stay tuned for more Winning Ponies. And I buy the bar, double round the crown, and everybody's getting down in this town. Ain't never going to be the same. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horse Stradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports you're 
tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Thank you for taking your time each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about these Sport of Kings. And you know what? I can't get off the fact that the Biggins, they've always done pretty well. Now, if you take a look at them overall, the winning percentage is pretty crisp. But this past week, there were some very nice payouts indeed. Whew. Now, I'd be fibbing to say that I just had the pick six. What was I thinking about? It was right there in front of me, just as it was many others. But the best part about it is I'm not going to kick myself in the butt. I'm just going to pick up. There's plenty of great races this weekend. And you can bet, tomorrow, I got me a little handicapping contest. I'll have it downloaded bright and early in the morning. Have myself a nice little cup of joe. Take a look at what the winning ponies predictions have to say. Got to run it against how I've handicapped with it and see if I can uh, kind of part the waters. A couple weeks ago, I actually qualified for their Tournament of Champions, not to pat myself on the back, but did some pretty good handicapping and had a lot of help. It's always kind of nice to uh, have that handy reminder in your corner, and, and I can't tell you enough that you need to check it out. Dig in there and check it out yourself, because that's really the only way that you're really going to truly understand it. Let me pick up on the recap here. And if, if you weren't aboard, now you will be. If you were out of town or you just weren't paying attention, Rachel Alexandra, reigning horse of the year, finished second in her 2010 debut Saturday. Her owner promptly pulled the plug. It's over for the proposed April 9th showdown with Zenyatta. The undefeated mayor finished second to Rachel in the 2009 Eclipse voting. My goodness, $5 million. Oh, Zenyatta, meanwhile, did her part to prolong the rivalry, easily winning in her seasonal debut at Saturday's Santa Margarita Invitational Santa Anita. Rachel Alexander unraced since the Woodward Stakes on Saratoga. At Saratoga on September 5th, stalked the pace in Saturday's $200,000 New Orleans Ladies at Fairgrounds, made her move turning for her home, but was unable to hold off the winning surge of Zardania, who went by to win by three parts of a length with Rachel holding second. Ironically, Zarnania is the stable made of Zenyatta in the barn of John Sheriffs, as I mentioned before. They had a perfect trip, said winning rider David Flores. He just got her to relax and just, just went on by. The focus, however, was on Rachel Alexander, who won eight straight races. Trainer Steve Asmussen blames himself in the training of the champion up to her return. Now, there's a man who actually just, you know, takes it, takes it by the horns. He didn't pass the buck. And he says, hey, look, maybe I didn't live up to my job. Now, how many other people would you know where the race of that magnitude would have done it? There's very few men, women, that would actually stand up. But speaking of a stand-up person, there's one online now. And we're glad to have him aboard. Winning Ponies is glad to have a board for our second segment, which is always our special guest of the week. Joining us this week is Daily Race Forum columnist, handicapper, and a man who was raised in racing and has it in his blood, Mr. Marty McGee. Marty, how you doing? <laughs> Very well. Good to hear your voice, my man. I'm glad that you could take a little time out of your schedule and be with us this evening. Greatly appreciated. Ah, not much. We're just talking about the sport of kings, which we always love. Marty, welcome back once again. And just really quickly, can you kind of refresh our listeners about uh how you came, a, a little guy from Kentucky, got into the great sport of racing. Well, congratulations on your 25th milestone. So that makes you officially 30. And uh, by my math, and you know, which is, you know, might be a little, little off there, but you're officially 30. I have to ask you a question. Coming from a, a, a big time family. Now, your brother-in-law is Ron Ellis from California. Does very well. Your brother is Paul McGee. Your father, a trainer. Did your dad want you to go into the training aspect, or, or did, did he let you just have your have your uh, have your own reins and just go your own way? 
Well, and, and, and rightfully so, it's about that time. The Lanes Inn is kind of the rite of spring in, uh, up here in northern Kentucky, and actually it's kind of the, uh, the kickoff, per se, of the, of the big football game of racing where uh, we kick it off, and, and that's where things all start to begin to happen, and it takes place at Turfway Park. That'll be next Saturday, but there's a huge weekend this weekend, as there is every weekend leading up to it. But we're going to grab that because, Marty, I'm going to put your feet to the fire because uh, you covered the Florida scene for quite a while in, in, in days gone by. Yeah, I uh, used to cover Oakland from 92 to 95 for the racing form. Then I switched over to Florida. And the way it's kind of evolved uh, since about, I don't know, 2002 or four or something like that, um, I used to go down there for the whole 11 weeks, but then we you know, expenses, it's pretty expensive to send a second guy down there. We got Mike Welsh down there. So how it's kind of happened is me and Jay Pribman and Dave Grinning all kind of t- take turns uh, just kind of spotting up Mike as a second guy to help him out when the, when it gets busier. So uh, I kind of miss it. But on the other hand, um, Eddie, I don't know if you've been down. To, have you been down to the new Gulfstream since they remodeled it in 04 and 05? I have not. Well, it used to have just this incredible ambiance to it, and I've, I've not yet met one person who has said they enjoyed the new $171 million renovation at Gulfstream Park more than the old spot. So, you know, I just being there, kind of, I, I, all of us old-time guys kind of be nostalgic for the old days. It's, I guess, the nature of life, but uh, it just seems like the new Gulfstream isn't as good as the old Gulfstream, so I kind of, you know, Given everything, I, I really don't miss it that much. Well, Frank Stronach had his own vision, and you know, it's uh, he's <laughs> he's kind of erupted into racing. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he was a great businessman. Oh, his his uh, his resume speaks volumes, but uh, his uh, his racing uh, acts and, uh, and judgments have been uh, called into question many a time. But you know, there's another little track in uh, Florida that actually just kicked back up with some uh, quarter horses. And our announcer, River Downs, actually was down there working in a marketing capacity, and he says that possibly thoroughbreds will be on the horizon at Old Hialeah. Oh, that's going to be a huge fight that they're going to have. You know, they've been doing that for 50 years, fighting between uh, who uh, gets the good dates between Hialeah and Gulfstream, and now you got Calder with a major as a major player with with Churchill Downs behind them. So you know that that's a huge huge can of worms you're about to open there, buddy. <laughs> Mr. Brunetti uh, is, is sandwiched in between two monster behemoths there uh, with Magna and, uh, and Churchill Downs reaching down there. I don't think I'd want to be in the ring with those three. No, right, last weekend, not. the big gals came out to strut their stuff, Rachel Alexander and Zenyatta, on their way to the $5 million tower Apple Blossom in Oakland. In your opinion, if it all went well, any change of plans, could this have been the hype of an old-time Sea Biscuit slash War Admiral? It could have been, except that you didn't have the match race aspect to it. You know, you got a number of horses who who would have been bit players to it. And my contention was, before it all fell apart, was that it could have fallen apart in another way, and that was who else was going to run in that race. I I, I thought that uh, the the John Sheriffs and, and the Mosses camp would have been, hey, we need some speed in there against Rachel Alexander, whereas Rachel would have been, wait. Uh, why are you putting this speed horse in against us, you know, like to run at us in, in uh, you know, like a tag team kind of thing? So, uh, obviously, that's all moot right now, but I just thought that that was going to be, you know, if Rachel had won easily, which obviously she did not, um, that there would have been a huge kind of uh, meeting of the minds as to say, wait a minute, who else is going to be in this race and, and why are they in there? Because it wasn't invitational. Um, so, anyway, that's all by the wayside. I've just got to say that I voted for Zenyatta as Horse of the Year. It's not necessarily to say that what happens in 2010 vindicates what you thought of in 2009, but uh, by the same token, I think what happened the other day might just say maybe maybe Zenyatta really was the better horse all along. So uh, all I know is if they'd run against each other, I, was gonna, I know who I was betting on. Well, uh, you know, we would have had it in pick fours and pick threes because we wouldn't never have found any winner place value and uh, or even uh, even exactly what you would have been hard pressed to find. But uh, the multi race exotics, uh, we'd have probably had a dollar or two on. In your opinion, do you think Rachel is going to be put on the shelf now? 
boy. Well, you know, I've seen some, some I think, hopeful writing by John Asher and, and some other people that maybe she could come back in the La Troy Inn on Kentucky Oak State. It used to be the Louisville Breeders' Cup Stakes. And, mm-hmm. um, but I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, want, I don't know what their agenda is. I, I just know that they're, I'm sure they're very disappointed, the Rachel people, that she got beat the way she did. You know, it wasn't on paper. Um, you know, she was 1 to 20. And how often does a one to twenty shot get beat? So you know, not very I, I, often. I, I, Do you think the bridge was lined yeah. up? It, was it Lake Pontchartrain? Do you think it uh, might have been full that day? Boy, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, long bridge jumpers. Yeah, but you know, it's. Uh, I, I don't know what to say. It's it's very. Yeah, the window of opportunity might well have closed on what could have been a just a tremendous bonanza for the sport, and. We were all pulling for Rachel to do well so that we could have had this happen on April 9th, but, you know, it, it is what it is. It, you're, you're right. It is what it is, and racing could have used the positive publicity, the attention grabber for new fan base. And, Marty, you know, I kind of alluded to this as just in, a, in an email to you. Racing was down 18% in February of 2010 as compared to February 2009, and there was over 100 less races run nationally do you see this getting worse before it can get any better? I don't know, because I know that the 09 figures, Ed, were down from 08. So, I mean, we're on a, <laughs> we're on a dangerous slope right now. We're, we're losing horse players, and, and the horse players who are sticking around uh, are not betting as much as they, as they used to. And, you know, I'm sure it's a reflection of the economy in general. But, um, nonetheless, we've got to do something to turn this thing around and, uh, Monmouth Park in New Jersey, uh, as Exhibit A to what we're talking about, has said, look, we are going to do what people have been suggesting for years and years, condense your schedule, make the purses bigger, make it more attractive, don't have six-horse fields of Jersey-bred $10,000 maidens you know, running against each other that nobody wants to come see. Make it a Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of thing where they're going to give a million dollars away on average from I think it's the weekend before Memorial Day in May till Labor Day, they're going to do it that way and run essentially a three-day-a-week schedule and have high-quality racing where guys are going to be banging down the door to get in with the horses. And then hence, as we all know, the familiar circle of handle and, and class horses and all that stuff, you're going to have horse players from around the country just begging to bet on those races too. So they are taking that thing that less is more and uh, it's, uh, all eyes are going to be on Monmouth Park to see the, the summer to see how that experiment works out. You stole the exact line that I spoke with uh, Bob Ellison from Turfway Park. And Bob was on, now this was before they actually started their November meet, and he was on with us next week. He's going to come on for the uh, Lane's End. And, and I asked him, I said, Bob, I said, is less more now? And with the size of the fields that I was seeing at Turfway Park, it seems like the betters were responding. Yeah, they are. You know, you got cheaper horses there at Turfway um, this winter. And it, actually, when they went from a January and February schedule of three days a week to four days a week in March, they you could almost noticeably see that the, the fields were kind of more diluted and they weren't getting the, the, good, the uh, big field size they'd gotten. So I think there is something to the concept, Ed, that uh, – Less is more in terms of, hey, nobody, like I said, nobody wants to bet on short fields of bad horses, period. I agree with you, but they will bet on full fields. Take a look at Texas. They even bet on 12-horse fields of Beulah. Now, Beulah has yeah. made, uh, made quite a living on Monday racing when you see uh, fields of 12, and, and they've, they've held their head up. I mean, not high and not leading the nation, but they've at least kept the lights on over all these years. People, they don't mind betting on cheap horses if there's a giant field to play with. No, they, they sure don't. Marty, I, I have to ask you, I mean, I know this, is, this has been a tough read for me. And, you know, for people that actually follow racing in Kentucky and uh, for those that are living in Kentucky, House Bill 368, uh, actually uh, brought up by uh, Senator Damon Thayer, uh, addressing the possibility of instant racing in Kentucky. I've read so many stories where does it stand, if at all, right now? Well, you know, it's very much a fluid situation. If you picked up the Courier-Journal this morning, it says it's, it's kind of dead. I was reading on some of the websites today. It says Damon's going to try and keep it alive. I think 
essentially this movement has lost its own momentum. I don't think anybody's crying about it, Ed, because realistically, we we don't need more people to just go bet on something that that I think is kind of a lame kind of thing. It's it's I wouldn't even describe it as a band aid approach. We what we need is the full fledged kind of casinos that I've seen in Delaware. Uh, Mountaineer, Iowa. I mean, I've been a number of different states where they've got these things that, that actually do supplement the purses and the the, um, the instant racing that they're suggesting modeled after what has happened in Arkansas. Arkansas is its own little animal. I mean, like I told you, I covered four meets there back in the 90s. It's got its own geography. It's got its own uh, different dynamics going on. It's not the same as what we have here in Kentucky where we are – virtually surrounded by Illinois, West Virginia, and Indiana, and maybe even at some point Ohio, with other states that have a, uh, a better competitive balance in terms of the, uh, in the uh, alternative gaming at the racetrack. So what this did, regardless of whether or not they push it through or not, it's not going to work uh, to the extent that we need it to work. We need to get the kind of stuff they've got in these other states, period allow people to actually defend themselves against competition, I think it's only, uh, we're going to say, free enterprise, to actually be able to hold your hands up and say, okay, let's duke it out and let me try, and if I'm not cutting it as a business, okay, then we'll we'll address that figure then. But it seems like they've tied Kentucky's hands behind their back and says, now get in the ring, boys. It's our own fault. You know, yeah, I've been writing about this for 10 or 12 years. I mean, I'm I'm so... You know, it, you feel like sometimes too that the the horse is out of the barn and, and the and the the door's closing because at what point is there going to be an oversaturation of this kind of gambling in this country? And it's going to come at some point. I mean, who has the money to lose at these casinos and stuff? So, in the meantime, the money that has been accumulated by Indiana and West Virginia, some of these other states, is just monumental, and it's just it's just sickening to see us lie behind them, especially if we're going to eventually get it, and just all this time and money that's been lost in the meantime. It's terrible. I can't agree with you uh, a hundred times more, Marty, and, and, I, and I've, I've read many of your, your articles uh, touching to the, the site. You know, I, I was reading on one where a track that uh, it seems like it's just not going to stop trying and it's not going to stop breathing and trying new things. I was reading in Kentucky Notes, uh, reaction to mixed Churchill lights. Would you have ever thought you saw the day that you would have had lights at Churchill Downs? I had never even thought about it until, it, you know, somebody said, hey, we're going to try and do this. And so, you know, it's not a bad idea, you know, it, especially if they don't try and overexpose it, which is, you know, which is a concept with pretty much anything. At some point it's going to become stale if they do overexpose it. But what they've got it going right, I think, right now. Uh, with I think it's four dates in the summer and then two um, in the early fall uh, when Breeders' Cup is coming. So, and that's another thing I wrote right after the '09 Breeders' Cup out in Santa Anita was, are they going to utilize these lights uh, to maybe have the Breeders' Cup under the lights uh, next November 5th and 6th at Churchill? But that's something that has yet to be decided by um, ABC Sports and ESPN. So that's a, that's something else that at some point news is going to break on that one way or the other. But you know, getting back to the story I wrote this week about the Churchill Lights, I had I had a trainer or two call me and say, "Look, man, these these things are so obtrusive. They are so contrary to the long-standing tradition of this uh, revered place known as Churchill Downs, and we just think it kind of makes it look like some of the third-tier tracks that you know we go to, and they have these lights and, and et cetera. But you know, it's it's essentially a trade-off of do you want the 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 business productivity that they're talking about that they're gaining with these lights as opposed to marring to whatever extent the uh, the look of the place. So that's what you got. You know, it's like in everything. Either there's some good and there's some bad and there's some, you know, you trade this for that. So that's, I'm, you know, this has been talked about at length in advance by the people at Churchill. Do we want to do this to this place? I guess at some point they can tear it down if they want to, the, the lights. You can always take them down, but... Uh, you know, in any event, from here to stay, I know that when the ABC people or the NBC people come, and <laughs> and their sight lines are not going to be quite the same as they have been in years past for uh, you know the camera shots for uh, all the angles for the, the you know 
think we have 45 cameras or something for the Derby. So uh, that those there will be an occasional light pole in the way of them uh, trying to take these uh, shots of horses uh, at the Derby. Overall, I'll take the light pole every uh, millisecond that they roll by, and I can live with that. And I applaud Churchill Downs for reaching in and trying something new, as well as Turfway Park with their Friday night specials. Anything to try to keep the people coming and uh, keep our uh, game alive. Marty, this weekend, huge day at Gulfstream, which definitely lets us know spring is here and the first day of May is close. And it is Florida Derby Day, four graded stakes for the undercard and a mile and eighth grade one Florida Derby for three-year-olds. Which way is your handicapping compass pointing? Well, I'm, I'm for Radiohead. Um, you had sent me an email about who, who do I like in the Derby futures. I thought about betting on Radiohead with the field that I did, and I feel I might have missed the boat there, but... Uh, because there was a lot of good field pool two horses with Awesome Act and Alfie's Bet and maybe a couple others. But, um, you know, Radiohead draws the outside post in the field of 11 in the Florida Derby. I happened to catch a, an interview today on HRTV with uh, Ricky Dutrow about this horse, and he said, well, uh, I think they asked him, is he going to be able to do it? Um, do you like him having drawn the outside post? He says, well, the only way we know how good he's going to be if he does do this. I mean, it is what it is on this, too. So, um, Big Brown won from the outside post two years ago in the Florida Derby, and as we all know, he won the Derby in the Preakness after that. I think Radiohead is a horse with a lot of promise. I don't know what kind of price he's going to be. I know he's not going to be the favorite. I'm guessing five or six to one, something like that. I don't know. I haven't seen the morning line, but um, I just like the way he won his last race and the way he, he was kind of under the radar when he came over here for the Breeders' Cup last year, and, and just the fact that he's I don't know. I know a lot of people aren't Dutro fans, but I, I am. I mean, I, I've I just like got. Him. Yeah, he's a, he's real good friends with a real good tight friend of mine from from Maryland from years back, and uh, you know, I just think the guy talks a lot of talks a lot of truth. So we'll see what happens. You know, it really is a good race with the Barbaro brother Lentinor in there, and and Rule for Pletcher and and Winstar and Johnny V, and uh, you know, I think they came up with a really good good feel for the race on Saturday. I agree with you, and, and I like Radiohead, and uh, as my dad would always say, I like top and bottom. I like the speed from the outside, and I like Soaring Empire, who's 20 to 1 from the rail, and actually Radiohead's 3 to 1. Coming from the 11 hole, Marty, you might see 7 to 2, maybe 5 to 1. Who knows? Maybe so. You know, like I said, I hadn't seen that yet. You know, the people who own Soaring Empire happen to run around with these guys. A guy named Clint Glasscock, he's a nice guy, and uh, I know they're really high on this horse, and and when the news came out that Escindaria or Escinderia, I still can't, you know, I think I'm pretty <laughs> articulate, but I still don't know how to say his name. Anyway, he, he like, texted me this week and says, he really out? And I said, I don't know, I'm not on that beat right now. But anyway, I know they were pretty excited, as you, you know, as you would understand, that Soaring Empire, uh, his chances were improved by the fact that the Pletcher horse, Escinderia, came out of the race. So, uh, and he's well drawn with the one hole, and Eddie Castro, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated jocks in the whole country. So uh, I don't blame you. Top and bottom, I love that philosophy. Heck yeah, go on. <laughs> I'm going to take that one from our old man. Uh, when, he, when he's in doubt that he takes a top and bottom, but I actually really like Soaring Empire. Correct me if I'm wrong, Old Memorial Stable, is that not Rick Patino and Dickie Vitale? Uh, I, I don't think it's Vitale, but it is Patino and some of his business partners. Mm. Uh, the guy from uh, Outback Steakhouse, I think, is in on it. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's definitely Patino. And uh, some some businessmen here from Louisville. Excellent, excellent, Marty. Winning ponies would like to thanks for taking your time to be with us this evening, and we wish you and yours nothing but the best as always. And and I know I'm going to be seeing you in the winter circle soon, my friend. All right, keep up the good work, Eddie. Appreciate you having me on, Marty. Thanks for your time, Marty McGee, man of racing, good guy. And I hope you're paying attention to his selection because he likes Radiohead in the Florida Derby. Well, it is time to head out to a break. When we return, we're going to be talking news from around the nation and final furlong handicapping here on Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. 
bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on, it will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news, Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck, a no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking time to join us. Hope you caught Marty McGee, and hope there wasn't too much of a technical error there. I understand that uh, part of Marty was not coming through, but trust you me, if you pick it up on the podcast, I'm sure to be right there if you missed any part of it. Marty is a incredible columnist, handicapper, and one of the good guys in racing. Good guy and a friend. He's, uh, he's worth the listen and he's worth the read. Marty McGee, he's got his finger on the pulse. Okay, speaking of finger on the pulse, let's take a look around the news world. We'll touch on a little bit of that. Here I read this in the New York Times. Super races often is a wise decision. There will be no race for the ages in next week's Arkansas. Now, this is according to Joe Dre from New York Times. New York Times. And uh, he feels that, you know what, we're probably doing the right thing. They should not be ridiculed. They made a wise decision. It's disappointing to horse enthusiasts like myself and you. But you know what? They've done the right thing. That's per the New York Times. Jesse, Jesse, Jenny Reese from the Courier Journal, probably one of the last real paper covers, and she's award-winning. She finds it curious that Jess Jackson pulled the plug so quickly on Rachel running in Oaklawn's April 5th, April 9th, for five million, apple blossom is so uncharacteristic. It makes you wonder if she had a problem during her six-month hiatus since her gut-wrenching Woodward victory, or that Camp doesn't want to risk her getting trounced by Zenyatta. She says, "I don't see a third scenario unless this Rachel came out with a defeat with an undisclosed issue." Jenny does not write any slop. That is food for thought. Makes you wonder. Especially food for thought. We got a guy online, the Cincinnati Kid. Kid, are you there? Hey, I'm here, Eddie. What's good? What do you know, my man? Just you? Yeah, I can't call. I'm hoping I can bestow a little knowledge on you and drop a pair of winners for Saturday's golf stream card. Fire it up, my friend. 
All right, we're going to take the second race here. This is a first-level allowance for three-year-olds going a mile on the turf. I'm going to take a bit of the out, of an outsider here, the sixth Manhattan Fox. Julian Le Peru rides for Christophe Clement. This one gets first Lasix in his uh, 2010 debut, was running over in England. His best races seem to come at the distance of a mile. You look at his three seven furlong races, they were kind of bad, but you stretch him out to a mile, he ran second and won. Le Peru is one of the best turf riders in the country, and getting aboard this one for Christophe Clement, nice workouts over at Payson Park, might be a sleeper, morning line is 6-1. to one. I like the price and I like the connections. I think you add them all up, and I say if I, if I cash there, I think I'm getting quite the overlay because those two guys teaming up are, are monsters there. So that's one in the books. I hope you wrote it down in pen from the kid. And the second one, Mr. James? We're going to jump to race 11, the Florida Derby here. And i got to take the seven rule in this spot. Johnny V and the Todd squad, this horse has just been on fire as a lady. He's reeled off four straight victories. Albeit they may be against some suspect company, he gets the class test in this effort. Some nice workouts since his last win up at Tampa. I think he's going to steal the show here at 5-2. to two. And if you're looking for a little value, team him up with the horse that you spoke about earlier, the one that is Soaring Empire with Eddie Castro aboard. This one's really coming into his own. I think he's going to be a sleeper, and 20-1 to 1 might be a bit too high on him. I agree. I absolutely love that one there. And uh, Marty McGee, I didn't know if you heard any part of that, said he likes Radiohead. Do you like Radiohead any? I'm a little leery on Radiohead. I don't like the outside post. If he was drawn a little bit more to the inside, maybe in the six or seven hole, I like him a little more. But he definitely merits a shot in this race. I liked his last effort a lot. That was a huge effort from him. And it seems like Prado's really helped him turn the corner a bit. He just worries me being hung out in the 11 hole going a mile and an eighth down there. The one thing I like, James, there's plenty of speed, and that's up from a rail horse. Oh, yeah, there is a ton of speed <laughs> in this race. There's a huge amount of speed. Well, James, thanks for the uh, call. Thanks for the horses. We appreciate the pick. And I uh, went a little bit overboard with Marty and had him on for a bit. I didn't know right. if he caught any part of it. Good guy, isn't he? Yes, sir, one of the best. Like I said, you always seem to dig up the best people to bring on your show here. and Marty's just another example. And yourself, sir. You left yourself <laughs> out. James, thanks so much. Say hello to everybody, and I'll see you at the track soon. I will. Cash some tickets. Yes, sir, and you as well. Okay. The Cincinnati Kid, James Williams, calling in. Always love to hear from the Cincinnati Kid. This guy can handicap. All right, speaking of handicapping, it's time to pull our weight, and it's time to... Do some action here. Let's go to the fourth at Aqueduct on Saturday. We got the Kings Point is for New York Breads in here. I like speed on the lead, and I go to the six, and that is Manteca, David Cohen aboard for the Todd squad, Todd Pletcher. A little bit of a horse for a course. Four for five in the money at Aqueduct, one for two at the distance. Third off of the layoff, that's the magic touch as Pletcher wins 27% of the time. I like Manteca in the fourth race at Aqueduct on Saturday. Race number nine, Aqueduct on Saturday, the Cicada, grade three. I like your closing here. I like the two. That's Liam's dream. Rosie Napravnik, Anna R. Napravnik for Anthony Dutro. 27% for Mr. Dutro. And uh, does very well. Shipping in from Gulfstream, a grade two. Against the Bickersons, and was uh, it's going to need a little bit of a pace, and I think finds it in here. Liam Stream is actually four to one. I think Dutro and the Pravnik, I think they have a date with the winner circle. All right, it's race number seven at Gulfstream Park. Big weekend. It is Florida Derby weekend, and this is the Bonnie Miss, a grade two, going a mile and an eighth, and I love the five. Amen. Hallelujah. Many people will be praying down the stretch as Julian Lepreau. And Dick Dutro team up one for one at Gulfstream Park. I say, amen, hallelujah, gets an upstretch, down-the-lane stalking trip, and an 8-5, to five, you're getting a price. Eighth race at Gulfstream, it's the Rampart, a grade three. Very nice for Phillies and Mares in here. I like the eighth, that is unrivaled Bell, two-to-one, Kent Sormo for Billy Mott here. Made a middle move last time out, and I like runners off of the middle move. 
Ninth race at Gulfstream, seven and a half on the turf, the grade three Appleton, and a solid pace sets up number four, Carson Hall, 10 to one, Ramon Dominguez in Barkley tag, cutting back. I, I love any time Dominguez is aboard, but cutting back is, uh, is definitely a note for me. Uh, you take a look at the dam of this five-year-old runner. She was a stakes winner. She's had three turf winners, and they're running seven and a half on the turf. Nine starters, six winners, and two stakes winners. So that sounds like uh, eight out of the nine, and she's also uh, dropped three turf runners. I like Carson Hall at 10 to 1 in the grade three Appleton stakes. Race 10 at Gulfstream is the Swale grade two. It's, it's going to be Chalk City in here, but I love the seven to Funny Boom. Prado and Dutro, they're teaming up the last 60 days, winning 50%, 62% in the money. Second off the poly, Dutra said, if Escondero was not in, he would have been in the Florida Derby. Well, the, the field is a little less here in this grade two swale, and I see Defunny Bone not laughing, maybe to the bank, but not laughing in the race. The 11th race at Gulfstream, a mile and eighth, the Florida Derby. I like the one. That is Soaring Empire. Eddie Castro and Cam Gambolani, they team up together. They're winning 25% together, second off the layoff. But take a look at that bullet work at Palm Meadows. Five furlongs in one minute flat and two fists, the best of 43. Plenty of pace by Rule, Radiohead, Lentinor. I see big things happening for Soaring Empire. Eddie Castro, Marty McGee brought it up. He said uh, one of the most underrated riders in the country. I can't agree more. And getting the rail going to be dangerous down the lane. Castro just gets excited in the saddle. You see him hopping and bopping and going to the going to the stick. Actually, three for three in the money lifetime. This real Colt by Empire Maker has done nothing wrong. I like Marty's radio head. I like the kid's selection. I, I really do. But I'm also going to throw in, I'm, this is going to be a four-horse box. I'm going to throw in another price, Icebox, 15 to 1, Jose Lescano for Nikki Zito. And there you got it with the Florida Derby as a big weekend is approaching as always. Didn't even get a chance to tell Mr. Marty McGee in the 12th race at Gulfstream there was a namesake for him, and that was number six of the great McGee. I'm sure Marty already saw it, though. Not much gets by that lad. Well, time flies when you're talking about the ponies, and winning ponies would like to thank you for tuning in, and especially Mr. Marty McGee for being our special guest, James Williams, the Cincinnati Kid, for calling us up and giving us some great selections. And once again, you for taking your time out to be with us. And make sure that you check out the site, check out the predictions, and check out the results, I think, that you're going to be pleasantly surprised. So until next week, when our special guest will be Turfway Park President, Mr. Bob Ellison, talking about the $500,000 Lane's End. May all your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone. listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.